I don't like waiting. <laughs> the truth is, I probably have um, the ability, the patience of a two-year-old at times. Can anyone relate to that? Yeah, yeah. Waiting isn't easy for us. We, we are an impatient uh, creature, us human beings. And, and I think that patience is one of those things that you ought not to ever pray for. Because if you've ever prayed for it, you know that it always brings some form of a trial to teach you patience. Because I've found that when you ask God for these good gifts, He's faithful and He gives you these good gifts. So when you reach out and say, Lord, will you give me patience? He just drops stuff in your lap that will teach you patience. Amen. Amen. And I don't like waiting. Now, we've been in the Everyday Faith series, and I think that patience and the ability to wait has one of the greatest influences on us living out our faith day in and day out. Because there's all sorts of things that make us impatient. Now, it isn't wrong to desire good things. God gives us good gifts. And there are many things we desire that are good and normal and healthy. We can desire a better job, a life partner, a place to call home, health, a vacation. These are all wonderful things and lead to life and lead to flourishing. But what happens when we place that desire at the forefront of our lives and it becomes the only thing that matters we can find ourselves in a place, especially when the answers don't come at the pace that we want them to, we can find ourselves in a place where our heart begins to shift us away from an everyday faith. So impatience, it's one of these things that impacts us in significant ways. I actually believe that our long-term faithfulness to Jesus is deeply connected to our ability to remain patient in these difficult seasons of waiting. You see, our ability to wait is directly connected to our spiritual health. And I'm going to make the case at the end of this sermon that it actually is connected in many ways to our mental health. Pastor Zach Eswine writes it this way, Desire is a firework handled wisely. It fills the night sky with light, color, beauty, and delight. Handle it poorly, and it can burn your neighborhood to the ground. Desire. That's the root of patience and impatience. See, we're circling around the issue of contentment. And until we find our contentment in God alone, until we're actually able to turn our heart's desires to the, the things that God wants to give us, our desires, as good as they may be, can easily turn into a replacement for worship. And that is idolatry. Whether or not we receive our desires whether or not we get what we want shouldn't be an, impl an implication in our faithfulness. And that's the question for us today. 
The church isn't immune to this. A.W. Tozer writes it this way, Sometimes I think the church would be better off if we would call a moratorium on activity for about six weeks and just waited on God to see what He is waiting to do for us. Imagine that. Imagine just saying we're not going to do anything. Now we had two years of that with COVID. But, but I think if I'm being honest, that was two years where I wasn't patiently waiting for God to reveal what He wanted to do for us. It was two years of anxiousness and perhaps even some desires usurping worship. James says these desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Our ability to remain patient in seasons of waiting is directly connected to life. And Jesus wants to give us abundant life. This morning I want us to look at this incredible story in Exodus 32. The people of Israel have been released from Egypt. They've found themselves in the desert and they're camped at the base of Mount Sinai. And Moses gets instructions to climb the mountain and to get the commandments and the, 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 the constitutional structures of how this society is going to be formed. And he's gone for quite some time. And they start to get impatient. And that impatient leads, patience leads to a striking decision. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced... Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And that's a very, very dangerous thing for us to hear when God says, your people. Because he's disowned us. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, These are the gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Impatience leads to idolatry, 
after such an amazing rescue. How did this ever happen? How did these people who had experienced such a phenomenal intervention in their lives get to the point where they were so dismissive of this fellow Moses? That they could stand before this image of a golden cow and claim this was their salvation. I would argue we do this every single day. With what it is we're pursuing that we've put before God. You see, Israel became impatient and there was a series of decisions that they made which ultimately led them to the place where their hearts turned towards the, the, the created and away from the Creator. First, they disobeyed the Word of God. And you'll notice how sin works here. They didn't want to do what they were told. They didn't want to be under authority. You see, they wanted independence to get whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, however they wanted, and they became impatient for that. And so they began to just ignore God's Word. And it's a subtle creep. After that, they began to forget the grace of God. See, the gold that made this calf was the gold that God got for them from the hands of the Egyptians in the midst of these plagues in this phenomenal, monumental rescue. What a slap in God's face to forget the gift that you've received, this grace that God has given you, the freedom that you have, the salvation that has been so costly. Dismissed. And credit given to something that has no power. They fell when they failed to use their gifts to the glory of God. They received this gift of freedom. They received this gift of community. They received this gift of wealth. And they turned it into a self-serving exercise. We're to enjoy God's gift, yes. We're to be thankful. But you see, they didn't use this gift for God's glory. They used it to serve their own means and their own needs. And then things came completely off the rails. And God says to Moses, your people, not mine. They fell when they distorted worship. We've been doing in CAP session talking about anxiety. And last week we talked about looking at a life-giving list. It's an acknowledgement of all the wonderful gifts that God has given us. And we're called to write those out and make this list that we can observe and and say, yeah, these are amazing things that God has given us. So when I'm anxious, when life is a struggle, I can be reminded of the good gifts that God has given me. 
And when we do that, we bump into worship. And we're reminded of who we are to worship. And it's such a powerful way of staying grounded. You see, the Israelites that day, they did everything their way instead of God's way. They took the initiative, and instead of waiting for God, they went into worship that was absolutely steered in the wrong direction. They failed to guard their choices, and they exchanged God for a lifeless image. And then Aaron who just soaks up the accolades. You see, it says that he heard them cheering. He heard them praising. He saw how happy they were. And so what does he do? He fails them utterly and leads them into false worship. It is so easy to go with what the crowds are saying. It's so easy to go in a direction that is the least resistance and to say yes to a people that are calling you to do something that you know is wrong. And we steer ourselves and others in the wrong direction. In a desire for acceptance, Aaron displayed incredibly, incredibly terrible spiritual leadership. This is especially for our our, our leaders, and we're thankful for the board And we're we're, we're lifting up to God those who have been called to lead our church. And this is a reminder that we don't do what is popular, we do what is right. Even if it costs us. Aaron is an example of what happens when we exchange the glory of God for the expedient. When our desires take over and the thing we desire becomes an object of worship, and that's idolatry. And that leads to moral corruption and imitation because we always become what we worship. And their impatience didn't, didn't create spiritual growth. The pursuit of their, their desires became their single-minded focus And it set them back immensely. They skipped past God and went on the downward spiral into idolatry. Of course, the story goes on that they had to wander the desert for 40 years until that entire generation was no more. It's a tragedy. But I think it's a tragedy that is all too common in our stories. You see, whenever we spend our time and our devotion trying to achieve what God has not yet given us or may not give us, we risk missing the blessing of spiritual maturity that comes through waiting for Him. We risk that slippery slope into idolatry. So we live this story. It's about learning patience. And patience and learning patience, in my experience, is a painful process. Because it always means scarcity. It always means a lack of. And our perseverance that's so required to get us through these seasons never 
comes to us. We never learn that lesson in the carefree seasons of life. It always comes to us in those times where we are groaning in the waiting. It's learned, owned, and groaned always in the midst of difficult circumstances. And I'm sure if you just take a moment to pause, you can imagine in your own mind some period of your life, and you may be in that season right now, where perseverance is so important and so difficult. But if our contentment is attached to the thing that we're waiting for, then every change in circumstance, every loss we experience, every time that thing we desire is kept from us or taken away from us, it brings about a discontentment. And it steers us into worship, away from the worship of God. I've experienced this. I've gone through long seasons where my primary prayer was that God would make me content. I struggle with discontentment. I'm naturally um, dissatisfied with the way things are. I always want things to get better. I want things to grow. I want things to improve. And every step backwards or every season of waiting or every time things aren't going the way I thought they they should go, I find myself wrestling with discontentment. And so for me, there's been a season, a lot in my life, where I've had to pray not for the thing that I wanted, but that God has led me to pray for contentment with what he has given me. And she Wright says it this way, groaning and waiting, eager but patient, that is the characteristic Christian stance. In our groaning, in our waiting, we learn perseverance. And in perseverance, especially when we're looking to the good gifts that God has given us already, we bump into worship. So let's get practical. How do we do this? How do we learn patience while we're waiting? Well, first, we watch and we pray. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus knew this, and he called his disciples that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, pray, because things are about to go right seriously upside down for you. You think things are good? Your contentment is about to be rocked to its foundation. So pray. And that's the call. Pray as often as you can when you wait. But don't pray about your deferred hopes. Pray that God will satisfy you in Him solely. That as you pray, that your desires will be reshaped. That the decisions in your life will be steered towards what He's called you to do and what He wants for you so that your belief reshapes itself. Not that things are out of control, but that God is in control and He has not yet given you what He desires for you. 
Desires aren't wrong. But they can bump us into false worship. Seek wise counsel from more seasoned believers. Find a mentor. Read Scripture. Proverbs says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom, humility, and humility precedes honor. Seek wise counsel. Have a willingness to accept critique. This is really hard. It's not easy to admit you're wrong. It's not easy to stand up front and say to someone, I'm sorry, like I did last week. But good things happen when we're willing to admit we didn't do right, I need correction, help me understand myself so that I can do what God has called me to do and I can, I can become more patient with the direction that God has called us. I think this leads to happiness. You see, make yourself happy in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. Now this isn't about name it and claim it. This isn't me saying, I love you Jesus, so you have to give me what, you're, what I want because that's what your Bible says. What it is, it's about our heart being reshaped as it steers towards Jesus and it becomes more and more and more shaped in His image. Our entire sense of, of, of desire gets reshaped. So when we read God's Word, when we pray, when we remain committed to the body of Christ, the church, our passions actually shift. And our desires are reshaped. And our deepest longings begin to change. And then, God releases that to us. So we take next steps but we hold our plans loosely. And we know that God may change them. And it also means opening ourselves up to options we never thought possible. Or maybe even options we didn't desire in the first place. Jesus wants us to flourish. And so I ask, are you praying for contentment? Are you seeking counsel in your discontentment? Because it's when we're discontent that we're vulnerable to the same mistake that Israel made at Sinai. But is discontentment a sin? I would say certainly not. You see, discontentment can lead to problematic actions and thoughts. It can steer us in wrong directions. But if our heart is shaped by Christ, even our discontentments will change. You see, discontentment can reveal areas to us where our love has shifted, where our practice is neither wholesome nor healthy. It can even reveal to us the idols that we desire. 
But when we move our hearts toward God, when we make Him our sole point of worship, we no longer want golden calves. And discontentment begins to shift to the things that are discontenting to God. So what is God not like? What are the issues in our society, in our family, in our community that make God unhappy? I would argue that issues of injustice, relational brokenness, addiction, habits of sin, when things just aren't all that great, that's a discontentment that can lead us into action and to bring about change for good. If you look at anything good that's happened in history, it's happened because somebody was discontented with the way things were. See, I think discontentment can be holy. And a holy discontentment is rooted in Scripture. It's grounded in a Christ community. It seeks the common good and kingdom growth. And if we just look at the prophets, we see again and again and again their call to action, to right worship, to obedience, rooted in a holy discontentment. And it changes what we desire. And so let's get deeply practical. Patience, human flourishing, mental health. These are all tied together. You see, patience leads to peace. Peace leads to hope. Hope leads to perseverance. Perseverance leads to gratitude. And gratitude leads to generosity. Charitability. And all of that leaves us much healthier mentally because it's the way God intended things to be. But you see, when we look at Israel, we saw them as being anxious, fickle, fearful, grumbling, and uncharitable. And if we bring all this together, we see that our health, our spiritual health, our mental health goes up or down as we move across these spectrums. The more we can let go of the things of this world and embrace Jesus Christ, the more our hearts are set on worship of Him, the more we are discontented by the things that discontent God, the healthier we will become. I don't like waiting. But we're called to wait. And so let's wait with patience. I'll close with this. Charles Spurgeon. Wait in prayer. Call on God and spread the case before Him. Express your unstaggering confidence in Him. Wait in faith. For unfaithful, untrusting waiting is but an insult to the Lord. Believe that He shall keep you waiting even till midnight. Yet He will come at the right time. Wait in quiet patience, not murmuring because you were under the affliction, but blessing God for it. I invite you, make a list a life-giving list 
of the good things that God has given you. So that when you're feeling impatient, when you're feeling discontented and you're starting to recognize maybe that discontentment isn't a holy discontentment. Look at that list. Give praise to God. Bump into worship. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the life that You've given us and the good gifts that we have received. Lord, we pray today that we would not be like the people of Israel who took those gifts that You gave them, the freedom You gave them, the relationship You brought them into with You and squandered it on such a horrible act of disobedience. Lord, I pray that we would lift up our good gifts to You and we would learn patience and perseverance. Lord, I thank You for the ways that I see this day in and day out in our community. And Lord, for those who are right now waiting, waiting for good things, help them to wait in worship. Help them to to maintain hope and grace. Help them to wait with an attitude of gratitude. Help them to wait with an expectation that in good time, your time, your will will be revealed. And then whatever you bring, help us all to receive that with just that patient gratitude to use for your glory. Lord, we thank you for the life you've given us, the community you've given us, and the many good gifts you've given us. Help us to live as faithful people who turn away from the world, away from those idols, and bump into you in worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.